Hey, Barry. Hey, Al. Why do wizards like fireball so much? Why? It's a well-rounded spell. It's time for Compelled Duel. (laughs) Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Compelled Duel. I'm Al. And I'm Barry. And we are a single-player co-DM'd Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition actual play podcast. Last time on Compelled Duel, Ferrara Valsine had probably the worst day of her life. She entered the Valduran city of Gimtarum along with her adventuring party in search of a magically-fueled portal up in the mountains that Leo is apparently going to use to bring an invading force into Astraria. And while she was there, she had a reunion with her old friends Sabine Javaris and Lorelai Shakrana. And also um, met her uncle and her mother and her sister. So after the trauma of that incident, Fee went out to get wasted at a nightclub where she promptly ran headlong into her brother after five years apart. And the time before that, Lairol Valsine had to make a budget for the first time in his life. <laughs> he entered the Valderan city of Gimtarum. He had a very interesting time with trying to replace certain pieces of equipment that were stolen from him when he got kidnapped in the Tordunian city of Stoutwood. And he learned uh, some things that had been going on on the island of Luxtagallen, the seat of the Australian church. So after that taxing, taxing day, Leo went out to get absolutely hammered at a nightclub and very nearly left with one Mr. Zed Stonebloom to go have some fun in a more private area, but was interrupted when he ran headlong into his sister Ferrara for the first time in five years. And that's where we're going to pick right back up with Leo. Leo, you are standing in this nightclub, wearing sparkly booty shorts, having just a weird night, man. Zed is behind you. I think he has like one hand on your back because he was trying to herd you out of the nightclub. Fee is standing in front of you, swaying a little bit. She's like pretty obviously drunk. (laughs) Jaw dropped, eyes huge, like the size of dinner plates. Leo is looking pretty much exactly the same way, eyes wide, very clearly hammered, just gaping at her. I think, again, Leo just says, Shit! Very softly, Fee says, What the fuck? Uh, 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 um, uh, you, uh, here, what, why? What do you mean, why? Why you? You why? And then from behind you, Zed says, Hi, still standing here. Nice to meet you, Zed Stonebloom. Someone explain? Um, yeah, yeah, um, Fee, this is my Zed. Fee, just looking shell-shocked, very quietly says, Hi, Zed. 
Zed, this is my sister. The hand that was on your back moves as Zed tosses both of his hands up and goes, Wow! Okay! Uh, yeah, uh, what? No, but seriously, what the fuck are you doing here? What the fuck are you doing here? Leo jerks his head back towards Zed and then glares at her and goes, Well, I mean, currently I was on my way to do something that can't really be discussed in polite company, but apparently that's all gone out the window. Don't take a tone with me. You bumped into me. How is this my fault? Leo's eyes narrow at her. Can I roll insight on her? Yeah, absolutely. I'm really drunk. That's a 10. You're not totally sure what's up. Fee looks surprised. So, what did father send you? As you say that, Fee winces and straightens her posture, and you watch her put the mask back on. I don't see how it's any of your business. From behind her comes up this, not as tall as Fee, but like taller Australian woman. Deep brown skin with the blue undertones, slate gray hair in a very nice dress for the evening. She comes up and she grabs Fee by the elbow with a jingle of these cuffs on her wrist that are just covered in bells. And she says, Fee, what's up? I thought we were going. Oh, and you brought friends. How precious. Did they have to give you extra staff to help track me down after the shit show in Estremoth fell through? This woman behind Fee looks at you, and then she straightens her posture. And very coolly, she says, Sabine Javaris, and you are? Laryl Valsine, Grand Duke of Australia. Nice to meet you. Oh, right. I'd forgotten that face. It's not very remarkable. And Leo, make me a whiz save. Okay. 20. Nothing happens. You can tell she just tried to cast a spell at you, though. And she just says, Fee, let's go. Fee breaks eye contact with you for the first time to look over at Sabine and says, Yeah, yeah, let's, um... And then from behind you, Zed says, We should get going. And then he, like, grabs the back of your shirt. Leo makes dead eye contact with Fee and as he is being pulled out of the door, says, We said we were going to cross this bridge when we came to it, Fee. You get in my way, I will push you off the side. Roll insight. 14. As the door is closing in front of your face, you watch Fee's face fall, and she just goes really pale. I am letting Zed pull me out of the nightclub, But as soon as we are outside, I am turning around and looking at him and going, This is a me problem, but I'm not exactly in the mood anymore. I'm gonna... I need to take a walk. And Leo turns around and takes off, completely directionless. He has no idea where he's going. He just needs to get away. And Fee, you are standing in the loud, thumping bass and flashing lights of this nightclub watching your brother walk away. What do you do? Fee has gone from quite, quite drunk 
to uh, sober as a fucking judge and more than a little bit overwhelmed in the space of like three seconds. I think she's going to like bring her hands up to hover around her ears for a second and then say, okay, okay. uh, um." Sabine looks gravely concerned. She reaches up and gets a hand on your shoulder and says, do we need to start mobilizing things? Is this about to get bad? Well, it's not going to be good, Sabine. Uh, I, I need to get out of here. I need, I need to leave. Okay, I've got Lorelai and the others. Be safe. Get back to the inn safe, please. Y- yes, I, um, I need some air. And then Fee's out. Fee's leaving. Are you headed in any sort of direction? Are you going anywhere? I think Fee just starts walking down the streets, but I think subconsciously she is pulled to the water. As someone who has never really been in a subterranean city before, there is a little bit of a feeling of claustrophobia. This massive underground cavern that Gimtarum is in is very big and very open, but you still can't see the sky. It's just solid rock overhead, and I think that in that moment, as you are so overwhelmed, it feels very close and very claustrophobic. And you find yourself wandering down towards this big bay at the bottom of this towering dam. And there's the big dam in front of you, but you can still see the stars up in the night sky overhead and hear the lapping of the gentle waves coming in from the locks over onto the shore and onto the docks. It's late. I mean, it's after midnight. There's not a lot going on down here right now. I think you just wander past all of these moored ships and empty docks, and you eventually make it to this little spit of sand and rock that's like a little beach down after the docks end. You're not looking out at the actual ocean because that's being held back by the dam, but the water is still lapping close to your toes. And roll me... You could choose perception or religion. That's a natural 17, and I have plus 5 to religion, so 22. Down on this thin spit of land past the end of the docks, wedged directly up against the side of the dam, you see a faint, stormy glow washed up against the damp wall of stone. Fee pulls her stormy cloak a little closer around her and then starts walking towards it. As you travel down this spit of land, you are now fully out of sight of all of the buildings and the bustle of the docks of Gimtarum. You can really only see the place where the dam meets the mountain at this point. And sitting down on a big boulder with invisible feet dangling down into the water is a very tall, about seven foot eight, seven foot nine cloaked figure, face obscured, just sitting there. And with that good of a check, with that 22, you can tell that this encounter with this figure is different from the last one that you had. That was in a weird liminal space, almost like a dream. This looks like a person you could reach out and physically touch. 
he's gonna clear her throat and like roll her shoulders back and say, so this is new. The Stormbringer, because that is the only name you have for her, shifts to face you. And again, you see the two crackling electric blue points of lightning that she has for eyes in the recesses of this hood. Nods. And with a voice that rolls like thunder, says, Yeah, no shit, huh? Great. Always wonderful to hear words of wisdom. You could see the colors in her cloak shifting in time with yours, in perfect sync. She stands up off the rock and takes a couple steps over towards you. You asked me for answers. This is where you needed to come to get them. And yet I've only gotten more questions. She digs the orb that her biological mother gave her out of her pocket and says, First of all, what's up with this shit? She crouches down to get at eye level with you. Those two crackling electric eyes just staring out of the shadow of this hood. She reaches out and almost touches the orb in your outstretched palm. And then quickly withdraws the hand back into her sleeve. She shakes her head and stands back up. An old trinket. A relic of simpler times. Fantastic. This might as well happen after the day I've had. What do you want to talk about? I want to talk about what you think. (laughs) What I think is that my life has fallen apart. That... Everything I thought I knew is wrong. That every bridge I've ever built has been burned. And that I am probably going to have to kill my brother within the week. So I don't think much of anything. I've had like four glasses of vodka. Those electric eyes narrow. She says, just straight vodka? I think there was also glitter. I don't know. I don't order my own drinks. That shadowy robed head tilts to the side, and over the roll of thunder you hear, Girl, just get along island. They'll fuck you up twice as fast, and they taste better than straight well vodka. What are you doing? I reiterate, I've lost control of my life. That's not the point. She stands back up to her full height, which towers over you. Those crackling eyes disappear back into the shadows of the hood. And she says, You mean to tell me in all the time you've been here, you haven't found a single answer? Not one I've liked. The eyes appear again, narrowed. And as she speaks, you can hear thunder rolling in. A storm is forming over the ocean, up at the top of the dam. This thunder rattling your bones, you hear. Oh. Do you want a hug? Do you want a cookie? Perhaps suck it up. I'm here to help you, Ferora, not hold your hand. No one ever got anywhere without working for it. Oh. 
You've been helping. That's what you've been doing? Six months ago, I was, if not happy, at least comfortable, at least sure of myself, as much as I have ever been. And now my life has fallen apart. I have nothing. I have nothing anymore. You have the truth. And now that you know what you know, can you honestly say that you would go back to the way things were before? No. I'm not in the habit of picking people who are content to live a lie, Ferrara. I understand that you want answers, but I can't just give them to you. Of course you won't. You won't even give me a name. She leans down again and extends her arm, and she says, I'll make you a deal. The next time we talk, you will give me a name, and I will give you an answer. Fee grabs that hand and shakes it. There is a crack of thunder from overhead, and a white-hot crackling bolt of lightning comes down and strikes exactly where the Stormbringer is standing, still clutching your hand. And she disappears. She's gone. You're looking at empty air and a scorch mark on the ground. Feet tilts her head back and to nothing says, Well, that was dramatic. And you are now a level 7 divine soul sorcerer. (laughs) Well, that's happening. What are you doing, Leo? I am claustrophobic, and I don't want to be under all this rock anymore. I am trying to find any way to get out under open sky that I can. The city of Gamtarum, you know, is kind of like crescent-shaped. It's arranged on the shores of this, like, vast underground bay leading up to the dam. On either side of the bay, there are these, like, narrow land bridges that extend out past the city so people can go to the dam and do, like, maintenance. So I think you could go over one of them. I'll stealth or do whatever I have to do. I'd like to just get up on top of the dam so I'm just in open air and I'm not trapped anywhere. I can't be inside an enclosed space right now. Um, make me a raw in check. That's a dirty 20, baby. You creep over one of these land bridges and you manage to find, like, set into the rock face, a door to what appears to be a lift, like the one that you saw in the wizard's tower. I try to make this elevator that I'm wholly unfamiliar with work. I just find the topmost button and push it. That seems intuitive. I got a dirty 20. You press all the buttons like (laughs) Kevin (laughs) McAllister. Yeah, yeah, I just fucking home alone to it. All the way down. So this elevator starts slowly creeping up. Ding. 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 You make it to the top of the dam. It's a very wide structure. It has to be to hold back the whole ocean. There's just this wide walkway with these large, like, fences on either side so nobody tumbles off while they're doing work. And on one side of you, you see the entire city lit up, spread out. 
And on the other side, there is open ocean. The sky is dark. It is a about a half moon. So there's a little bit of light, but it's not bright out. And there is a storm brewing overhead. Is the fence scalable? Is there like an area of ground on the far side of the fence? Yeah, not super wide, but like probably a foot of stone on either side. Wide enough to sit down on? Yep. Uh, If I can, I climb over the fence and just sit down on the outside of the fence, my feet dangling down over the side of the dam. And I am just going to sit up there for a very long time and try to convince myself to not nosedive into the ocean. You sit there for a while. Uh, what's your passive perception? My passive perception is 17. With a 17 passive perception, you hear the sound of, like, very soft footsteps coming towards you over the dam. I don't even turn around. If somebody's coming to yell at me, I don't give a shit. From behind you, you hear Zed say, Well, I'd ask what a nice guy like you's doing in a place like this, but I know better. Leo laughs with absolutely no humor in it and goes, (laughs) About what we're doing here or about me being nice? Zed laughs to himself and says, A little bit of both. With a couple more footsteps, he makes the rest of the way over to you and sits down on the inside of the fence. Leo shuffles over until they're back-to-back on opposite sides of the fence and just kind of leans his head back on Zed's shoulder through the bars. She's here to take me out. I I know that I've never talked about her that much, but five years ago when I got out of Australia, she, she helped me get out, and I guess I just thought that Things would be different, but she's here to take me out. Well, I'd point out that you don't know that for sure, but you know your sister better than I do. I know that Isaac Ashthorne was reaching out to Australia to extradite me. I know that if anyone connected to the Australian crown puts me on a boat home, I'll be dead within a day of getting back because I know my father better than I know anyone. I don't know what else to think. Zed stretches a little bit and he says, Ugh, times like this make me glad I'm an only child. He just like reaches a hand back through the fence. Leo doesn't take it. After a second, he just lets it fall. So his arm is just through the fence, dangling. And he says, Look, you know I'm not one for, uh, complicated situations like this, but I have had my fair share of people who want me dead, and personally, my strategy is always to just keep moving and not give them the satisfaction, you know? Leo goes like he's going to reach for the hand that Zed still has through the fence, but stops an inch away and just curls his hand into a fist and puts it in his lap. They're back to back, so Zed can't see this, but his lower lip wobbles noticeably, and he says, 
I'm really tired of running, Zed. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Leo very carefully stands back up and climbs back over the fence to sit next to him. He sits down, still keeping at least a couple inches of distance between them, and says, There's a joke about you talking me off the ledge somewhere in here, but I can't right now. (laughs) Yeah, well, (laughs) I get the feeling. Uh, There's a reason I say it on this side. I'm sorry about how I treated you after that night. And I'm sorry for earlier that wasn't right. I shouldn't have... Zed brings his arm back from over the fence. And I think his hand just rests on the ground between the two of you. And he says, Shouldn't have what? I... Look, I know stuff got complicated, okay? And I know that you said that you wanted to keep things strictly business, so... Zed laughs, and he says, This hasn't been business in months. The money ran out in Estremeth. Yeah, it it did. And even if it hadn't, I've been a pretty shitty boss. I feel like every time I turn another corner, I just fuck up something new. So, frankly, I don't know why you're still sitting here waiting around for me to finally do something right. I guess you're worth waiting for. God, Leo hates himself for this, but he grabs him and kisses him full on the mouth. There is a brief moment where Zed kisses you back. His hands, like, tangle up in your hair. And then he pulls back, and just very quietly he says, Not like this. I, uh, I'm still a little drunk, and it's been a rough night. And then he just untangles his hands from your hair and, like, pats you on either side of the face. (laughs) And he says, let's put a pin in that one. You promise? Zed grins. You see the moonlight from overhead reflecting off of his tusk jewelry. And then there is a bright flash of lightning that just lights his whole face up. And he says, Now when have I ever lied to you? Never, even when you were being mean. So, I'll take your word for it. Let's, uh, let's go back to the inn and we'll put a pin on this until both of us have a chance to be a little bit better about it, yeah? (sighs) Yeah, exactly. He gets to his feet and he holds a hand out. I take it. And yeah, we're headed back to the inn. Fee, where are you headed after this very loaded encounter? Fee's headed back to the tavern where she was supposed to meet Sabine. It is well, well past midnight when you make it back to the tavern. There aren't a lot of people gathered in this main hall. A couple dockhands that have just gotten off the graveyard shift sitting around one table over in one corner, a sleepy-looking barkeep wiping down the bar. But in a back corner booth, you see Sabine, still in her club clothes, 
with a gently trancing Lorelai Shakrana laying across the booth with her head in her lap. Sabine is just absently petting down Lorelai's hair as she takes her trance, and she looks up and she sees you. Her eyebrows raise, and she nods at the seat next to her in a manner as not to wake Lorelai up. He's going to go over and sit next to her. She has an arm up to wrap around your shoulders before you even get into the booth and just tugs you to her side super close. He leans in. Not sure how much comfort this is going to be, but everybody else is okay. Fen and Kalesa are upstairs taking their trance. Erve got back from the library super late. She looked really freaked out about something, but I made her go rest too. I had to have the talk about playing it safe with Verity tonight, which was not something that I was prepared to do given that I met her like eight hours ago. But she seemed to understand it. Everybody's okay. Are you? <laughs> um, okay is not the word I would use. I was hoping he wouldn't be here. I figured this was his plan. I was prepared to make sure that no one got hurt in the pursuit of him getting what he wants. But I just hoped he wouldn't be here yet. Well, I don't know how much it's worth, but I do pride myself on having a pretty developed ability to read people. He wasn't carrying himself like somebody in charge of an army. He was scared. So maybe there's more here to unpack than we're thinking of. What am I supposed to do? Just wag my finger and tell him he can't have the shiny toy that he wants this time? It's not... It's never been like that. It's... No, I... I understand that. Roll perception. That's a big fat 12. You don't see what Sabine grabs, but she reaches into her bag that she has with her and grabs at something and holds it super tight. She nods again and says, It can be really hard when a person that we really want to care about fucks us over. It can be really hard. And there's not a whole lot that can make it better. I wish I could tell you that it stops hurting, but it doesn't. So sometimes the best thing we can do is just give ourselves a good reason to fight. What are you fighting for, Fee? Fee shakes her head. She says, I have spent most of my life being used as a cudgel against my brother by my father. And in return, what I have gotten from him is hatred and disdain. And then I find out my father didn't care about me either. So I am tired of fighting. And I am tired of both of them. I don't know what comes next, but 
fighting for me, I guess. Lorelai mumbles something in the middle of her trance, and Sabine reaches down and pets her hair down again. She goes quiet. With her other hand, Sabine reaches up and presses her palm to the side of your face. So am I. I consider that a privilege. Fee nods, and she scoots out of the booth. And she says, Good night, Sabine. Good night, Fee. She stands up. Lorelai is kind of lanky, but she's not very big. So Sabine just kind of sprawls her across her shoulder the best that she can while she is still semi-conscious and carries her out of this bar. Are you going upstairs to take your trance? Yes, absolutely. It's been a long day. And Leo, you're headed back to the inn? Yeah, I mean, there's nothing else that I can do right now. So, yeah, I'm headed back. You and Zed kind of hurt each other. <laughs> Still technically quite inebriated to the streets of Gimtarum to the inn that you're staying at. You go up the stairs. You got booked a few rooms. You hear a low discussion from the room that was booked for Celica and Talendra. And you hear Ravain say something in a tone of severe embarrassment. <laughs> Zed next to you kind of goes, yikes. And you hear furious giggling from the room booked for Mia. Well, at least somebody's having a good night, I guess. <laughs> Zed like snorts as you move past the door and you come to the room that was booked for you. And he reaches up to scratch the back of his neck and he says, well, here's your stop. Um, can I be really shitty again and ask for a favor? Yeah, sure. Anytime. I swear to Kimrel, right hand to the sky, I'm not going to try anything and I don't want to. I just, I'm afraid of what's going to happen if I'm alone. Can you please just stay with me? There's a pause and then he nods. Yeah. Yeah, I can do that. I go inside and try to fucking take my trance. Zed keeps a respectful distance, but he is out as soon as his head hits the pillow. You open your eyes and you are aware that you are dreaming. Around you is that vast, still ocean. And behind you, you see flashes of light. In front of you, sitting on the surface of this incredibly still mirror-like water, Kimril, the Lord of Bones, <laughs> says, Well, it's been an interesting night, huh? Have I ever mentioned how violently I actually dislike you? You're not the first person to tell me that. It really doesn't sting. What? What? Was this part of the fucking plan the whole time? Have I just been playing into somebody's hands again? He tilts his head a little bit to the side, and he says, Laryl, your choices, as always, are your own. 
Fuck you, I am so tired of people giving me backhanded comments like that, like me having a choice for once in my damn life is something bad. I tried so hard for five years, and I lost everything all over again, and I get here and I get one choice in my life that makes me happy, and then everything bad about what I left behind comes knocking on the door to remind me just how shitty everything is. So don't tell me that I make my own choices. Like, it's something that I should be ashamed of. I'm done. I'm tired of it. There's a long, silent pause. Cameron nods to himself. And you watch, again, just a flash of light in time with a growing brightness in his purple-silver eyes. And he says, I understand, perhaps better than you do, that what is coming will not be easy. Oh, well, that's not fucking ominous or anything. What? What do you want? He just, like, grabs you by the front of the shirt. Ah! Gets, like, right up in your face and says, Listen here, you shit. Take it from someone who has made his share of mistakes. You can posture like a brat. Or you can take the power that I am offering. And you can make a decision. Exhausted of being patient. However long you think you've waited to get your due, let me assure you, it has been longer for me. Is the power you're offering me gonna help me get home? Why did I even buy the new augury bones? Fine. I stick a hand out. Kimmel grabs your hand. He slowly releases your shirt with a clack of bones and then wraps his hand around yours. A piece of advice, Lyra. The thing about being a god of calculated death is that you learn to consider it very You would do well to cultivate this skill. And, Leo, you are a level 7 death cleric. Damn, bitch, why does that feel so much like a roast? And then I wake up. (laughs) (laughs) And in a different tavern across the city of Gimtarum, Fee, you also wake up to rapid pounding on your door. Knock, 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 on the wood. Yep. Yeah, I'm up. I'm up. <clears throat> Fee gets up and answers the door. Verity is outside in a fluffy bathrobe and some pink slippers. You have no idea where she's gotten them. Good morning. I kissed a really cute boy last night. Um, Sabine wants all of us downstairs for something she called a war council. I'm not sure what that is. Fantastic. I'm so hungover. 
oh yeah, me too. I feel like absolute shit, but I'm still just kind of riding the high. He was really cute, Fee. I'm so happy for you. Are you ever less perky? No, not really. So good. So good. So good. He like scrubs a hand over her face and says, uh, yes, let me put clothes on. Um, I'll be right down. You get dressed, head downstairs. Everybody down there, except for Fen, is apocalyptically hungover. <laughs> and Arave. Arave is also there, too. They're sitting in a corner booth of the tavern downstairs with a big breakfast spread on this table in front of them. The window over the corner booth is open, and Phineas has his head stuck in through the window, eating off of Arave's plate. He sits down and says, Right, we should plan things. I thought you'd never ask. Arave, who is the second most perky person in this room after Verity, reaches into a scroll case on her back and pulls out a big roll of parchment. She rolls it down across the table, weights it down with like a couple glasses of orange juice (laughs) and a plate of biscuits. It's an old geological survey with the stamp of a Valduran mining company in the top right corner. And there are a couple different things marked on it. There's the big main entrance of a mine, but further up this mountain, as you're examining this map, you see something marked that appears to be some kind of archaeological site, something that says, you know, don't dig here. We're not authorized to go here. And Arave says, I've cross-referenced this map with the one from the mural at the Omagroth site, and I think that this is what we're looking for. Which is highly beneficial because we have an entire trail map that tells us how to get up there. So the logical next step is we go up there, we find a way to disable the portal or lock it somehow so Leo can't use it. Uh, which brings us to a potential setback. I... She looks very pained as she admits this. I don't know how to do that. I can activate a portal, certainly. Disabling one is a level of reverse engineering that I haven't had time, and frankly, that I don't have the wizardry ability to sit down and do. I did my best. Oh, also, I think your brother's here. I meant to mention that. Oh, good. You figured that out. Yes, we ran directly into him last night. Thank you. Oh, that sounds rough. Anyway, the academic implications of this are absolutely fascinating. I found these documents over here, and she pulls more stuff out of her scroll case. She literally does not give a shit. (laughs) Essentially, what you take out of this is that you know where the portal is. Erevay cannot shut it down. And she presents all of this information to the rest of you. Fen, who, again, is like the one person who was sober all night last night, other than Arave at this table, raises a hand and goes, Well, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know shit about fuck. I'm starting to realize that very rapidly. Uh, but from a perspective of a security professional, the next best thing we could do is get up there and physically lock it down. If we can't magically lock it down, right? You know, Leo's going to have to go through all of us to even get access to the portal. That's a good point, Ben. Kalesa, also looking severely hungover, shifts uncomfortably in her seat. Okay, yeah, so we, we get up to the portal. We, I don't know, should I put on my Fen voice for this? We establish a perimeter around the portal. 
fan with a strip of bacon in his mouth goes, hey, fuck you. She had you there. Yes, I suppose it'll just have to be a physical blockade. And if worst comes to worst, he raises a hand crackling with lightning. I have more than my fair share of destructive capability. One way or another, he's not going through that portal. Kalesa purses her lips and nods. She says, Yeah, just... If worse comes to worse, just let me talk to him first, okay? I will do my level best. Sabine, across the table, kind of runs a hand back through her hair and nods. I need to go make arrangements for Lorelai's care, because I am coming with all of you. I think we are all agreed that this is not a situation we want to bring her into for multiple reasons. No, no, obviously not. Uh, yes, go do that. She needs to be safe. I'll meet all of you back here in two hours, and then we can head out. Fantastic. And then he nods to herself, turns back to the table, and says, I need so much greasy food. I'm so hungover. (laughs) Fen wordlessly shoves a plate toward you that is piled high with hash browns and bacon and pancakes. Fen, you're a lifesaver. It's a very grim situation, but Fen smirks at you as you say that and goes, Hold on, say it again. No, you get it once. He throws his head back and cackles, but then takes a hash brown off the plate and you guys keep eating your breakfast. Back in another inn, on the other side of Gimtarum, Leo, your rented room's door flies open. At that point, wherever Zed is, I feel like Leo is just curled up in as close proximity as is socially acceptable. You are woken up out of a dead trance by this door slam, and loudly, Mia Saunders draws, All right, boys. What? This fucking bitch-ass god. Um, My darlings, we have much to talk about. There will be blood today. Get your asses downstairs. That doesn't sound optimistic, Zed. Zed. Zed, like, mumbles and slowly sits up, clutching his head. Okay, one second, one second. No, you you gotta wake up. Mia says that there's gonna be blood. Zed says, well, that's a grim look at our situation. And Mia claps and says, oh, no, boys, I am downright chipper. I haven't gotten to stab anything in weeks. Let's go. Sounded like you were stabbing something last night. Mia cackles and says, A lady never tells, darling. Downstairs, come on. Or I will stab you. Leo gets up, does not bother to change out of his pajamas, hair a mess, and just follows them downstairs. You get downstairs. Celica is just like pouring over notes at a table with one hand over on Ravane's back. His head is just down on the wood. Hey, I don't know if you heard me yell across the club last night, but, uh, did you get it, or? Ravane, like, slowly looks up and says, get what? The, the, uh, well, it, it being, um, it seems like you had a really nice night. It was, it was nice. I met a nice girl, she had really soft lips. 
I'm so fond of you. Leo claps him on the shoulder and sits down. Selica says, all right, if we could wrap up this discussion. She looks a little bit uncomfortable. (laughs) I would love to talk about magic. Yeah, magic. Sure, let's discuss that, because I don't want to discuss anything else that happened last night. For sure, for sure, for sure. Zed slides into the seat next to you and says, and how? I'm holding his hand under the table. He squeezes your hand, yeah. Mia just slides into a seat and starts sharpening a knife. Dude, breakfast? Like, maybe some coffee before we bring out the weapons? No? I can multitask. I'm chasing my bliss. Leo. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Fair enough. You chase your bliss. Um, my bliss is at the bottom of a Bloody Mary. Oh my god. Can I get one of those? Anybody? Barkeep? The barkeep delivers you a Bloody Mary. (laughs) And Celica jots something down on her notes and says, So, I have been able to unravel how I think these portals work. And I have been able to reverse engineer the process by which a key to activate the portals could be made. I think I could do it. I need a rather large gemstone, which is a bit of a kink in our plans. Oh, I've got one of those. Leo pulls out his hip pouch and he digs out the diamond that he bought right before they went to Stoutwood. Selica says, thank you, and just snatches it. Without a original key to base my hypothesis off of, it might not work as fully intended. It will definitely be able to open the portal. I'm just not sure. We might have to brute force it. You understand? By brute force, do you mean like Zed's brute force or like my clerical brute force? Because those are two very different things. The latter. The thing is, without the schematics for the actual key, I will have to make it sort of a a range effect, to put it in layman's terms. When you get close to the portal, it will activate if you are holding the key. Okay, well, I don't see any problem with that. You know, we keep you and Ravain back from the portal, and Zed and Mia and I hop in and do our job. Yeah, that seems like the best course of action. I don't know if it will shut back off. Well, if I take the key through, wouldn't it? It should, but it's a bit of a a, a tricky bit of magic. Essentially, what I'm hoping to do is punch a hole through the spell. Okay, now that's a little bit of magical theory I can get behind. That's cool as hell. Theoretically, I don't have the strongest grip on conjuration magic, but if the key is what's activating everything, if everything stays open once we come through, I could always just destroy the gem. That's true. Uh, There's also a chance that once you go through the portal, the key will destroy itself, and you won't be able to open another portal with it. I appreciate the thought, Celica, but uh, I won't need to. We have a vague plan in place, but regardless of anything else that goes down within that framework, it does end with Mia's knife in my father's back, so... Mia, around a mouthful of sausage, says, and how? You haven't even met the old man. He's so stabbable. You're gonna have such a great time. 
Oh, I am looking forward to it. And really, that's all I need access to the portals for. I have been informed by Talindra that you all don't necessarily want me coming back to visit. So, once this is over, our business relationship is concluded. As you say that, Selica tilts her head like she's listening to something and winces and says, Yes, that would be best. Well, as long as everyone's aware of the risks, I see no reason why we can't get started. And then she pulls out a little, like a jeweler's chisel from her hip bag. And she says, I'll get started on this. And then she just starts tapping at the diamond. Oh, um, by the way, did I tell you guys that my sister's here? Roll an insight check. 18. Mia's eyes flash at that. They briefly pause, sharpening their knife, and then go back to it and say, Interesting. What do you mean they flash? Mm-hmm. They just look weird for a second. Hmm, okay. So, yeah, while we were all having fun at the club last night, I ran into my sister. Physically ran into my sister on the way out. So that is a potential problem we might have to deal with. Selica, still just like tapping away at this diamond, says, Well, I don't see that it needs to be a problem unless we make it a problem. No, and I feel you, but also she like actively wants to kill me, I'm pretty sure. Well, I'm sure that's not a rare sensation for you. Yeah, you know, Selica, you're not wrong. Way, way, way across town, in front of another inn, Ferrara's party is gathering in front of the door. You come outside, you see everybody kind of gathered out in front of the door of this inn. Fen is standing there, armor on, shield slung over his back, battle axe at his side. Kalesa has on her very nice rogue's armor that you've seen her in before. Erevé and Verity look pretty much the same. Erevé kind of always has a small, like, hardened leather breastplate on under all of her stuff, and Verity doesn't have on any armor at all. You assume she doesn't have any. You guys are all just kind of milling out in front of this inn, and you see Sabine come trotting down the street after a minute, and she is also in what looks to be Rogue's armor, like, very flexible, hardened leather armor. Looks like she has a lot of freedom of movement in it with her beacon medallion pinned to the breastplate. Her hair is pulled up in the braided crown that you've seen it in before, and she kind of just takes a step up to your party, nods, and says, All right, well, uh, access up the mountain is back towards the rear gates of the town. I know my way up there. If everyone is sure they're ready for this, then lead the way. Sabine and Erevé take point as you guys work your way through the back streets of Gimtarum to a big set of gates that are literally carved into the mountain. Sabine is obviously very familiar with how to get out of the city, but she pauses when she's out the gate because there are two trails that seemingly go up this mountain. There's one to the left that has a lot of what appears to be mining traffic going up and down it, like wagons laden down with big hunks of raw ore that are coming down off the mountain and going up the mountain. And then there's one that is quite a bit more abandoned and looks a little bit more dangerous. Well, I would assume the mining trail has more access, if everyone is comfortable with that. Erve reaches over her shoulder. She has her scroll case, and she pulls out the mining survey that she had on the table at breakfast. 
kind of traces her finger over it. Well, yes, it would provide us direct access. Uh, it might be a little bit slower than taking the other trail, but also there are rock slide warnings here, and here, and here, and she points up along the trail to the right. So, a few members of our party, and Fee does not look at Verity, <laughs> would probably be slowed down enough by the rock slides that it's more efficient to take the other way. Yes? Fair enough. I'll take point, and Aravape scouts up ahead of you guys, and you start making your way up this mountain. Despite the fact that traffic on this trail is a little heavier and it's a little more well-traveled, it's still not easy going. It's a very steep, winding, rocky trail up the side of this mountain. It's bitterly cold. As you're making your way up this mountain trail, you see Arave stop at a couple different points, kind of close her eyes and put her hand down to press over where you know the necklace is tucked under her shirt. She's using one of her Horizon Walker abilities, called Portal Sense, which is basically you can sense where there is an interplanar portal. I will tell you, you've got about an hour and a half at least of a hike up to the top of this mountain. It's a long way and it's not easy. So most of you are just trying to focus on physically getting yourselves up this mountainside. After a good bit of time, Fen, who has been walking directly next to you this whole time, kind of leans over and nudges you in the side and goes, So, uh, have we given any thought as to what happens after this? Nothing concrete. I have a few ideas. Well, at this point, I know better than to think that we're just going to go home and everything's going to go back to normal. So a vague pitch would be great, just so I know what I'm dealing with. For obvious reasons, my initial plan of playing along with my father until an opportunity arose to change things is no longer viable. So, I'm probably going to have to do some things that I'm not particularly proud of. And I would be very happy if you would back me up on any action that I need to take. Well, that's never been a question. I just... <sighs> I've just got to do something to make sure that my dad's okay if that is all right with you. Yeah, of course, obviously. You know, all the fairy tales they told us when we were kids really fucked us over in the end. There is no just going home when the big battle's over, is there? No, but I don't think I ever really believed there was. And then she's gonna just reach over, clap him on the shoulder. He puts his hand over yours, where you get him on the shoulder and just gives your hand a squeeze and then lets go and shoulders ahead of you up the trail. The trail narrows until you're essentially traveling in a single file line up this very, very narrow little mining trail. After a certain point, you see Arave up at the head of the pack put one hand up, as if to tell everybody to stop. I stop. Um, if Fen's still next to me, 
I'm gonna, like, grab his shoulder and make him stop also. Verity hasn't been paying attention and runs fully into Sabine's back. You look up to the kind of head of this trail where Arave is standing and see that the trail has opened up into a big expanse of this rocky ridge on the side of the mountain. The air's very thin, it's hard to breathe. There is this large, flat ridge that Arave is standing at the very edge of, and then up from that, shooting up about, ah, I would say like 15-20 feet each, there are two separate, smaller ridges, and then up, just hidden almost among wispy clouds, is the mountaintop. But through this mist, you can make out the giant silhouettes of three large dwarven-looking statues standing in a circle, looking down around what you could only presume is the portal at this point. You're at the very top of the mountain. There's nowhere else to go. Arave still just has her hand up and goes, All right, we have a couple decisions to make, Grand Duchess. Uh, I default to your wisdom on this, Ms. Enmar. I have good news and bad news. You might want to make your way up here. I, again, just like squeeze Fen's shoulder, and then I'm going to nod and I'm going to push past him to draw a level with Arave. You can see what Arave's looking at and kind of the whole spectrum of this area of land up here. Again, you're on a very wide, rocky ridge that goes straight down off the side of the mountain. Like, if anybody were to fall off this ledge, it would be very bad. You guys are very high up, and it is a straight trip down. I am gonna kind of jokingly say, does anyone have Featherfall prepared? From the back of the pack, you hear Kalesa go, I do! Kalesa, you're a fucking treasure. (laughs) And don't you forget it! (laughs) So at the back of this very wide, flat ridge, there are two more slightly craggier ridges that make their way up to the mountaintop where you can see these statues up among the mist. Erve nods up at the statues and goes, Good news is, I checked in, and she taps at her necklace under her shirt. The portal is definitely up there. So what's the bad news? She turns her eyes away from the ridge where the portal is up at the mountaintop and looks off across this big, rocky, craggy stretch of land you guys are on, nods to the mist, and goes, That. Roll perception. Eleven. You see five humanoid figures slogging their way up through this mist across this ridge. Fee takes a very deep breath and says, Fuck. And let's go back about an hour and a half. Leo, your companions have assembled in front of the inn that you are staying at, ready to go up this mountain. Okay, here we go. <laughs> I'm, I'm extremely nervous about this. You guys start to set out. Mia kind of like, cracks their neck and says, Well, if I know anything about Voldaren architecture, then the gates to get us up the mountain will be, and they, like, lazily point down the street, that away. I am rapidly learning that I don't know anything about anything anymore, Mia, so I'm just gonna go ahead and take your word for it. Let's go, everybody. 
you all start setting out. You go through these very straight grid Voldern streets. You hit these gates. And I think everybody kind of draws to a stop just outside the gates. There are two paths snaking up the mountain. There is one on the left that has a lot of mining traffic you can see kind of going up and down, like a bunch of wagons carrying heavy loads of ore and like a bunch of miners just kind of generally chatting to each other as they walk alongside these wagons. And then on the other side, there is a more abandoned, like disused looking track. It looks like it maybe would have been used for like sightseeing, but that has fallen out of fashion for whatever reason. Leo kind of clears his throat and goes, um... Hey, uh, Talindra, your input on this is valuable. I don't know anything about what's going on right now. You watch their body language shift as Talindra kind of comes to the front and says, Well, for my money, we're better off not being seen as we try and uh, commit acts of aggression against a foreign power on Vulduran soil. (laughs) Well, I mean, the acts of aggression are going to hopefully be taking place in Australia, but understandable. Okay, so the road less traveled by it is, no matter how creepy it looks, I guess. She kind of laughs a little bit. She says, as long as everybody's good with uh, a little bit of exercise, then yeah. And she just starts setting off. Mia, like, sighs dramatically. (sighs) Man. Fucking hate hacking. Okay, so Talindra seems to know where the hell she's going. I'm gonna take rear guard with Zed just to make sure nobody follows us up. Yeah, so the marching order is Talindra, Mia, Ravane, and then you and Zed taking up the rear. So you start marching up this mountain. I'm gonna say it takes like about an hour and a half. As you're going, um, you get to a point, there's like an ominous rumble under your feet and i'm gonna need you to make a dex save (laughs) i rolled a natural one okay so uh that group save averages out to a 14 it was a dc 15 to not have anybody take any damage so leo having rolled a natural one Everybody kind of jumps out of the way as just rocks start bouncing down the side of this mountain. Zed grabs you by the back of the shirt and yanks, but you take five bludgeoning damage as a rock just absolutely clocks you in the head. Ow! Zed is swearing so loudly. (laughs) And I think he just goes, okay, this is, uh, I'm getting why they don't use this path. I just have blood streaming down one side of my head. No, yeah, you know, scenic route, never been a fan of it. Uh, I'm not wasting a spell slot to heal myself. It was only five damage. I'm fine. Everybody else gets out unscathed because it was like half a roll (laughs) under. (laughs) You keep going up the mountain. There are a couple more of these like small rock slides, but you get to the point where you can like predict when they're happening. So you kind of like back out of the way we're gonna make a group athletics check to see how fast you get up this mountain that's actually a 21 i'm very vigilant after getting hit in the head with a rock as you like dodge out of the way out of another rock slide zed very calmly says you said that my training had no practical applications 
<laughs> Leo laughs and then just reaches down and grabs his hand and I'm going to hold his hand as we're walking. I'm going to do the rest of that group check because there are like piles of rocks on the trail. It is very difficult to pass. Okay, so that averages out to 18, with the worst roll going to poor Ravain. As he's climbing over a rock pile, he is, like, loudly complaining. I understand that everybody else here did sports. I read books, that's all I do. I mean, I played a sport and I still got clocked in the head with a rock, so you don't really need to feel bad about yourself. He, like, huffs. I don't want to hear that from you. You're already over this fucking pile of rocks. I whoop! And then he like stumbles as a rock goes out from under his feet. I reach up and catch him. Thank you. Don't worry about it. He is just muttering like mutinously. <laughs> want me to fucking make an animal skeleton dance? I can do that. Oh, speaking of animal skeletons, after we get past the worst of these rock slides, I am going to burn one of my third level spell slots to cast a preemptive animate dead. So that's going to bring up Dexter, who I think I've had with me this whole time. So I'm just going to recharge his animate dead. And also my goat and my possum, which I have named John and Jedediah, respectively. I hate it here. Okay. <laughs> you bring up your skeletons. So yeah, after I bring up my skeletons, I'm going to close in on the front of the pack and try to walk alongside Talindra for a couple seconds and go, Hey, Talindra, so, um, I know that our conversation yesterday wasn't fun for anybody. And I also know that if everything goes according to plan today, we're never going to see each other again. And that's mutually beneficial, I think. But I just wanted to let you know that I've been thinking about things, and if our business relationship ends today, as I am hoping it will, I just want you to know that as soon as I get home, and as soon as I am able to secure enough power to do so, I'm going to find out what's going on, and that island is never going to take anybody again, and that's a promise. Talindra purses her lips and nods, and says, It doesn't undo any of the harm that has already been done. But it's a start. And then she just keeps going with the mountain. Yeah, okay. I'm gonna wait for the rest of the pack to catch up with us and then stick back with Zed and keep going. Like I said, I think it takes you about an hour and a half to get up this ridge. You start to crest the top. You see a big flat ridge. And then above it, like, another smaller ridge, about 15, 20 feet up. And then another one above that, 15, 20 feet up. And you can just barely see the silhouettes of three large dwarven statues arranged in a circle. Talindra, I think, stops at the edge of this ridge where she's taken point and says, We've got company. Fee, as you look out through this mist, you see a party of people led by your brother move in across this ridge. You meet in the middle of this wide, rocky stretch of land right before the mountain shoots down into the open sky below. You see that he is followed by 
the big half-orc dude that you saw hustling Kalesa at pool last night. A tall, willowy lady with coily red hair pulled back in a ponytail. Someone that looks like they should be an Australian elf, but also not quite. Very odd-looking person with amber skin, eyes, hair. With so many knives on them, it doesn't seem possible. And before you can recognize who the last person in this party is, right behind you, Verity shoots her hand up into the air and waves and goes, Hi, Ravane! And then you see this stocky, not quite elven, you're not really sure what's going on there. Guy step forward, he takes two steps onto the ridge, sees Verity waving and quietly says, Oh God. Both of your groups move forward. And you end up toe-to-toe with Leo in the middle of this ridge. He looks up at you, nods curtly, and then kind of leans out to look around your shoulder at everybody standing behind you. Sucks in a sharp breath through his teeth and says, Kalesa, nice hair. And beside you, you feel Kalesa go rigid and she just starts stammering she's not saying anything coherent it's just no no but you have to you have to understand i very quietly fee says kalesa you don't have to explain anything to him leo throws his head back and laughs coldly cruelly then leans over to your other side nods again and goes fen keeping up on the protein shakes i see Gang's all here. Almost. Where's Soren? Still too bitter to look me in the face and tell me what I already know? There is a long pause where Fee is just kind of like gobsmacked by that. I don't think she even has the thought process to filter herself. I think there is a long moment of silence and then she says, Leo, Soren's dead. He's halfway to another snide comment and stops with his mouth hanging open. Fee, there's a long moment where you make eye contact with your brother and you watch this physical process of him taking a step back and blinking a couple times, his eyebrows drawn in and a deep frown etching at his face. No, no, that's... You're, you're lying. I don't know why, but you're lying. That's not true. I don't think she has the presence of mind to have a filter about this right now. I think she just shakes her head and she says, He was arrested for sedition three months ago. He's dead. Shut up! I don't know what you think you're getting over on me with this bullshit, Fee, but it's not gonna work. I don't care if he hates me. I don't care if me leaving put the nail in the coffin of everything I ever gave a shit about. I already know that. Shut up. I'm not trying to get anything over on you. And then she pulls the chain out from under the neck of her dress with the beacon medallion and Leo's engagement ring on it. You could hear a pin drop on this mountaintop. You and Leo are already standing pretty close to each other. He slowly takes another step forward and just very gently reaches out a palm and puts it under the beacon medallion and the ring. 
you're standing close enough to your brother to watch the realization that what you are saying is true cross his face. Close enough to see his eyes glass over with tears. Close enough for him to subconsciously lean his weight on you as he collapses to his knees. Close enough to hear the sound that starts in his throat as a wail of agony and leaves his mouth in a scream of rage. I understand that because of your alert feat, you cannot mechanically be surprised. Something that is so fundamentally surprising and impossible happens that you are not going to get any mechanical benefit to this. I need you to roll me a constitution saving throw. That's a nine. Your brother collapses to the ground, screams in rage and loss and pain. You watch the choker with his royal seal hanging off of it, wrapped around his neck, flash, and he casts a fourth level blight at you. Your brother, who has never been able to cast so much as a cantrip in his life, does 20 necrotic damage to you in the space of less than a second. Everybody roll initiative. And that's going to do it for us this week on Compelled Duel, everybody. How you feeling? <laughs> not good. Not good. I also am not feeling good. Anyway, get ready for a full combat episode next time, kids. It's about to get so much realer. See you guys next time. On Compelled Duel... Hey everybody, Barry here with the postscript, just clearing up a couple housekeeping things here at the end of the episode. As always, we're going to plug our social medias. We are on Twitter, Tumblr, and TikTok, at Compelled Duel. You can also find us on TikTok, at Compelled Duel Audios, where we post audio snippets from the show. We have a lot of other cool things, including an official Spotify profile and an official website. You can find all of those linked on our various social media profiles. If you're interested in supporting the podcast, we ask that you consider pledging to our Patreon. Starting at just $2 a month, you can get early access to all new episodes, and at higher tiers, you can get things including access to exclusive Spotify playlists and even letters from your favorite character every month. If you're interested in supporting the podcast in ways other than pledging to our Patreon, we ask that you leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcast. That helps us get promoted to a wider listener base and grow our audience. And as always, word of mouth, advertising is our most powerful advertising tool right now. If you're enjoying the show, we just ask that you tell three friends about it. And if they enjoy it, ask them to tell three friends about it. Uh, we're down to the wire, folks. Our season finale premieres on Friday, April 23rd, 2021. Or if you are a member of our Patreon, you'll have early access on Thursday, April 22nd. Boy, howdy. We will see you guys next week. Thank you so much.